0: Thanks so much for listening. Before I get into the episode, I wanted to thank today's podcast sponsor, which is Luna and their baby keepsake castle. I personally just put all of my baby's memorabilia into these little keepsake castle boxes, and they are so adorable functional. And if you really love organization, then you're really going to love this keepsake box. So not only is it a keepsake box, but it also includes a baby book and it has space for Capturing all of the milestones of your baby's early years, and then the keepsake box itself stores all of the memorabilia that you want to keep. So, baby's first socks, and pacifier, and the little hat that they wore when they came home from the hospital. So, this keepsake castle with the baby memory book is more than just an organizational product, it's a gateway to preserving the remarkable journey of new parenthood. So, take a moment to visit. Keepsakecastle.com today and embark on creating a lasting legacy of love and nostalgia. Hey, Marissa, welcome back.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me again.
2: Absolutely. So um, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today and why gentle parenting is so hard, even though it's a very trendy thing, and it's even a very like hot topic, um, but it is very hard and there are some very good reasons why now. um You were a guest already in episode 84, and we talked about really the topic of reparenting in that one. So if anybody's interested, you can go back and just search for episode 84, look for Marissa's name, um, and you can find that. Um, But before we get into this topic today, I would love for you to, first of all, just introduce yourself to anybody that didn't hear that episode, um, and then give just a brief explanation of what exactly reparenting is and why this is like step one foundation before gentle parenting is even an option
1: okay yeah so i am marissa hughes i'm a licensed therapist and i specialize in emdr trauma and i am certified in perinatal mental health and i am also a parenting and reparenting coach i have found that So many people struggle with gentle parenting because they're not hitting the root of what's coming up for them underneath it. So I'm so glad that we're talking on this topic because it is very, very neat. Reparenting is all about recognizing what is being triggered in us and learning that we have this entire internal world inside of us that learns from experiences in the past so this is influenced by ego state intervention which is a research-based trauma modality for healing um, it's similar ish to ifs internal family systems part psychology there's lots of different ways to analyze and look at this and understand it but the principles are the same it's the idea that we all have different parts of our ego that learn different ways of looking at ourselves and the world from our experiences. And so when we're young, those experiences and ways of being sometimes are actually ego protective. They become defense mechanisms. For example, hiding, pretending, people pleasing, you know, holding back, not letting our true selves out because we need to stay safe. But as we get older we no longer need those defense mechanisms that we held on to when we were younger. And so reparenting yourself is leaning into the parts within you that are still holding on to defense mechanisms, which are actually keeping you blocked. So when it comes to parenting, our kids trigger us, right? So for example, like a child may be having an outburst or big feelings, and if you as a child didn't get to have those big feelings or if you were punished for them, it can be a soft spot for you. It could be really uncomfortable for the inner child in you to watch your child's tantrum or to hold space for that because you never got that space. And so reparenting is learning to tune into that part within you and soothe it, give it the validation it's always needed and really grow it up and integrate it into who you are now so that you're not parenting from this wounded space of who you used to be or who you were told you are. You have the opportunity to parent from like who you wanna be now.
2: Thank you for that, that makes so much sense. And so that then leads into, okay, so I'm interested in gentle parenting. I kind of know what it is, that sounds nice. I wanna be gentle with my kids, of course, cause I love them um but what is gentle parenting exactly and like how do i do it when i'm having these big feelings and i'm getting triggered by my child and i'm supposed to be like what gentle with them like how exactly does that all work
1: so it goes back to realizing what's coming up in us right so gentle parenting and all the positive parenting philosophies like respectful parenting conscious discipline Even conscious parenting. Conscious parenting does talk about your own work, but I think there's still these missing pieces of a lot of parents end up coming to me feeling like they're working so hard to gentle parent, but then they don't know what to do with their own emotions. So they're masking, they're pretending they're okay when they're not, or they're bursting and they're yelling and they're punishing and they're doing all the things that they swore they wouldn't do or wouldn't repeat. You know the generational cycles that happen to them right like our generation the millennial generation and even you know the gen z right like we were taught to be like seen and not heard and so to have space to let our kids be heard and seen is really uncomfortable new triggering i don't know about you but i know a lot of people i work with are also you know we've been raised to also like not make a fuss not be a lot you know kind of go with the flow make things easy and so there's also a lot of shame that i see parents feeling when their kids are having big feelings like i'll hear parents say like i'm apologizing for them and you know what is that doing that's creating more shame that's your child hearing that and interpreting it as like i'm too much no one can handle me So while we mean well, and we want to be conscious and respectful and gentle, if we don't do the inner work first, it's really hard to consistently keep it up. So I see people like taking on the scripts, really trying to honor their kids, you know, saying the scripts, like, I see that you're having big feelings right now. You're feeling mad instead of yelling or punching you can get a hug right like like you hear how like automated that sounds and that's how people come to me and they're like it feels so inauthentic and what's missing is be- it's not authentic because you're not actually comfortable with their feelings yeah so Absolutely. there are families who tell me that they they're doing it they're doing it okay most of the time or some of the time but then they just lose it and feel like they're going all the way back to square one or even before that because they it's hard to stay consistent when you're not working on your own stuff.
2: Yeah, I really resonate with that. So um, can we also give a simple definition or a definition, doesn't have to be simple, but just um, your understanding and definition of gentle parenting, um, maybe even versus like conscious parenting?
1: Yeah, so gentle parenting really to me is very similar to respectful parenting, which is, all about recognizing that our children are human. They're people. They're people with feelings just like us. And they're people who haven't had enough time on this earth yet to learn how to regulate their emotions. They're kids who need guidance and support and a space to be really seen and held and accepted as they are. And so gentle parenting is creating a space for kids to be that. I think a lot of the trauma work that I've done with clients in my therapy practice is around the root of I'm not worthy in some way, shape or form, or I'm not accepted or I'm not safe. And what that comes down to is we had parents most of the time who even if they meant well, like, taught us to fit in, taught us that we have to look good to, you know, stay safe and make friends and whatever. And what that does is it silences the authenticity of it. And so like a lot of people haven't felt free to be themselves. And so respectful and gentle parenting is treating our children in a way where they know that you are their safe haven, that in your home life, they get to be accepted and love themselves as they are because you love them as they are. And that really builds resilience when they go out into the public world of school and friends and things like that, you know, because we were taught to get our validation externally where our goal with parenting now is internal validation. So for example, it's like if they bring home an art project. And you're like, wow, that's beautiful. I'm so proud of you yes, that's an amazing thing to say, but it's also like, go deeper, go into the process. Like, well, tell me about it. What made you pick these colors and how do you feel about it? You want to elicit their own internal pride, their own internal confidence. You know, same thing with like, if they're being bullied and they come home and they say someone's not being nice to them. Well, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about yourself? what do you like about yourself, you know? Like we don't always need to take in what other people say about us. And so building that resilience is a big part of gentle parenting and being that safe space for them to be themselves. I will say my favorite book on respectful parenting, which is similar, is No Bad Kids from Janet Lansbury. She is just amazing in how she really helps you understand children's perspectives. And that there are no bad kids. And I think we come from that angle of like shame of like, oh my God, my kid is not well behaved like all the other kids on a playground or whatever. And then we're keeping that cycle going. But when we start to change our belief system around big feelings are normal, big feelings are healthy. This is how their emotions are regulating. This is how they're learning to regulate their nervous system and express themselves. These are learned skills. And sometimes, most of the time actually, parents don't even have those skills for themselves. They didn't have the freedom and space to learn how to feel their own feelings, how to cope with their own stuff. And so that's why underneath it all, in order to parent gently, we have to do the inner work first so that we're parenting from the place of the parent we wanna be not from this triggered part of us that is kind of taking over our ego, if you will.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we had talked about an example of, um, or kind of alluded to, you know, it's, you can't really do the gentle parenting thing if you are triggered by your child's tantrum, kind of that extreme, like a child misbehaving in a big loud way. But I think you also brought up a good point and an example with the the art project um of just kind of a a quieter calmer moment in time where i think this still can show up like if i am overwhelmed stressed out struggling with my mental health when my child comes home and tries to connect with me makes a bid for connection with their art project i am not going to have any space or capability to ask them those questions and and dig in about the art project. I might have the ability to say, that's so pretty, honey. Great job. I might. And so like, that's kind of that more subtle example where this can show up. And, you know, there's that missed bid for connection. So that opportunity cost of like losing that chance to connect with your child. But then there's like the other side of it too, which kind of just is like this vicious cycle that can lead into that child not necessarily feeling important or worthy or worth, you know, taking up time and space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate you pointing that piece out because you're so right. It's like, you know, we're fried by the end of the day as parents. And so But that's when our kids are home from school usually or that's when they really want to connect bedtime bath time routine all of that is actually when they want to connect the most and so knowing that it's almost like okay i need downtime but i also deeply want to connect with my kids and so part of reparenting yourself also is validating the need but leading with intention, right? So it's like, yes, I'm exhausted. Yes, I'm so fried. And I just want them to go to bed so I could get some breathing space. But I really wanna build connection. I really want my kids to feel like I care. And I know that my actions speak louder than anything else. And so I'm going to push myself and then I'm going to rest after. Or if I can, before I pick up pick them up from school, or before I'm with them, I'm gonna give myself even five minutes of self care, five minutes of just rest or breathing or tuning in, knowing that they need that connection, especially in the evenings when we are most drained. Which I honor is hard, right? I'm not making anyone wrong. I'm a mom of two. It is hard. I've been working all day. They come home. I'm exhausted. So what I personally do to help myself realign now that I've done a lot of the reparenting work for myself is I remember who I want to be and I align it with my values of why. They may want extra books and I may be really tired and not want the extra books, but when I remind myself how that's so supportive of them feeling like they matter, I can push that extra bit. I can be with them. I can hear them. The other thing about this is really seeing your child as their own person, right? Like it's so easy to just think of it from the lens of like what it's impacting on us, right? Like I'm so tired and here I do have to like push through bedtime first versus their people. Like how would you feel if you wanted, let's say, for example, if you have a partner, how would you feel If you were like, I really just need to talk about my day before I rest. And your partner's like, I just don't have it in me right now. Like, go call a friend or just go to bed anyway. Like, you'd feel rejected. You'd feel unheard, right? And so it's the same thing for our kids. And we tend to see them from the lens of how they're impacting us. So one tool that I love teaching to my clients and to everyone I speak with is learning to see the world from their perspective. It really helps us get that extra energy boost of aligning with our value of the parent we want to be for them and seeing the world from their lens of like, oh, you know, Johnny was mean to me on the playground today and it really hurt my feelings and I want to talk about it with my mom. And like from that lens, it's really valuable to see it from their angle so that you can get to their level of what they need. Which is connection, which is safety, which is a place to be themselves and talk. And even if they don't share it in that way, because sometimes they don't have the language or they don't have the emotional capacity, when they're acting out or seeking connection in some way, like the more they're acting out, by the way, the more they're seeking connection. And I think that's a really valuable, you know, understanding. And it's also the more they're like, one more book, one more song, I need you, right? Like, What they're saying is, I need to know that you're in my world and here for me. And so you can even verbally say that, you know, that doesn't mean you don't have boundaries. So for example, like with my older son, he's learning to read. And so I'm really into letting him have that extra book. But I also set the limit up one more book and then it's time for bed, right? So I hold the space because they also need that safety. They need us to hold the space. They need to know that we are going to stick to our boundaries. We are going to be consistent with our word, even if they push against it, right? And so I choose for myself, okay, I'm going to give him one more book, and then I will communicate it. And that's the thing. We communicate the boundary. We are consistent with the boundary. And then I end with a verbal of, I'm here. I love you. I'm loving listening to you read. I can't wait to hear you read to me more tomorrow. And, you know, you are safe. are loved and i'll see you in the morning you know so it's also like what we say right at the end of bedtime all of that of like letting them know when it's going to happen again so they know that you're still there all of those pieces of the puzzle are important so i i'm sorry if i ramble because there's just so many layers to this
2: there are there are so many layers and yeah no not rambling whatsoever um yeah my mind is um I, i have a lot of like thoughts uh going through my mind after you know you saying all of that so all of that really resonated um and for me i like you know it's I like how you said that it's about knowing your own boundary and then also looking at it from their perspective and just kind of like holding both truths in both hands at the same time because sometimes they feel like they are competing and sometimes they are competing but you can actually even hold that in both hands of like we have competing needs here and that's okay to just kind of acknowledge that. Um, and then it's, it gives you the chance and them to see you practice um, compromise. And so my book example is at the end of the day, when I'm tired, um, I want to read a book to my kids. And sometimes it's one book, sometimes I'll ask for the extra. And so sometimes I'll say yes, and sometimes I cannot. But when I do say yes, my boundary is it's got to be a short book. Because I know my own boundary that, like just reading a book with I, and I'm totally guessing here, fifty words versus a hundred words is like that's the cliff I will fall off of. Mm-hmm. That is literally the boundary. And so, um, we even kind of have a joke. Like, and my kids know, it's like, oh, no, Mommy doesn't read long books at bedtime. That's a daddy yeah. thing. Daddy will do that. He'll and do that the chapter book funny. at bedtime. But at the end of the day, for me, it is a short book, like Berenstein Bears. Too long. Mm-mm. Nope. We're going. That with, is like, way too long. <laughs> it is like we're going with like the Sesame Street, like the like the preschool books, and mm-hmm. that is getting to be a little. um, I can see my daughter, who's in first grade, get a little bit frustrated with that because she's beyond that level. Um, But it's kind of still the joke of like I will give you the extra book, but you know this, the the section of our little library in our room to go to for like what mommy's yep. willing to read. <laughs>
1: so yeah. Well, and I love that you say that, and I have another pointer on that too, is you see the need that they have and you look where you can fill it in a time that's good for you. So it could be on the weekends, let's designate time where we can really read together during the day where I'm not as tired. It could also be, and sometimes I do this with my son too, and I think it's so important to talk about like good enough parenting. Like we're not perfect. We're not consistent all the time. There are times when I am like so fried and or I have a session at night that I have to get on a call for. And so I will say one more page. Sometimes it's not even one more book. Sometimes it's let's pick one more page together and we'll read that page and then it's songs and fed, right? So it could be one more page, but it's really about the connection, right? It's not so much about what you do or how you do it. So if you hold the connection of honoring, I really see how much you want to read books together and I love that. I'm exhausted right now, but can we schedule a time on Saturday where we read as many books as you want, right? Because you're giving them that managed expectation, but we also want to teach them that the world is not only egocentric to them, that other people have needs and feelings too, Right? So we want them to learn that. And this is a nice, healthy way to model that for them, taking care of us and them at the same time. And honestly, I think that, you know, we go back to the question of like, why is gentle parenting so hard? It's because a lot of it, the scripts, the education is so much about the kids' needs without putting into play or considering the parents' needs. And the parents have big needs too. And so you're right, it's holding your needs and your kids' needs at the same time in both hands and finding a compromise and good enough parenting is good enough. On a day that you're sick, on a day that you're wiped out, your parenting is gonna be different. But do you love them? Are you expressing that? Are you communicating what's going on so they're not in the dark, curious, and unsure? That's the key to everything is the honest communication and putting the mask on both of you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like that so much. And um, I think the other part that I'll just, you know, reiterate is that if you cannot give yourself that compassion, if you cannot start there, it's like it's impossible to me. I just don't even know if it is quite possible. Um, and you had talked about, you know, kind of those coping mechanisms and like putting on a mask and like kind of faking it kind of a thing. Um, I think that, that a lot of people operate out of that, me included, like until I understood the whole self-compassion piece um, and the healing piece like that. It just it it's not possible for me to then authentically truly be there for my kids in a way that's going to foster connection and like. A healthy growing up environment if I don't start with myself, and so that's like a big point, but it's also a micro point in like how I live my life every day of uh, you know there's the healing aspect that you talk about and the work that I have to set aside to do, but then um and that's kind of like those the a bigger project, if I think of it like a project um but then there's the the everyday stuff, like I had mentioned that today I had a chance to like go for a walk. And years ago, I would have thought like, I don't even think I would have thought of that as an option, I think, or if I did, I would have judged myself out of that out of taking it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I've been like, I've got so many other things that I got to do, like, I don't have time in the middle of the work day to go for a walk. And Mm -hmm. now that I've done all of this work and like led up to this point. Um, that isn't my automatic thinking. And sometimes that those kind of liar thoughts will pop back in my head, but I will challenge it. And it, it's kind of like a win-win and I'm like, oh, how lucky am I? Um, that I'm like, if I don't take the time to go for a walk, this won't end well for me or my kids, not just today. Maybe it's not today that the consequence will come up, but like in the next couple of days or next week it will. And so it's actually the best option for everyone In my life, if I take 30 minutes to go for this walk in the middle of the day by myself, because then I am, you know, pouring into myself. I really don't like that cliche, to be perfectly honest, but I'll use it right now. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, taking that time for myself, and then I will, that's a tool I can use to then be more regulated and available for my kids so that when my daughter gets off the bus in an hour and a half, I can have energy to ask her about. Her art class today, and like yeah. what colors she chose, and dig into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you're honoring that need for self care. I think so many parents struggle with feeling like self care is selfish or with the overwhelm of where in the day do I even find a second for it? And that is valid. Like we're in the thick of it with young kids, and it's valid. But it's also the truth of the matter is like you can't really give what you don't have. And so even if it's five minutes, even if it's two minutes, even if it's just a sentence of validating yourself, it makes a difference, right? And so to me, it's like that combination of like, what do I need? What are my needs? And what do my kids need? And how do I find the space to make both of those happen? That's why I think like the the gentle parenting alone just isn't enough, because if you're not working on yourself. And here's the thing too about it is like once you've practiced reparenting yourself regularly, it becomes so automatic that it's not like something you need to go make space for. Like at this point in my life, like I reparent myself literally while I'm doing something else. Like my brain will go right into validating myself, honoring what's going on, recognizing what I need, penciling in time for later to like journal or be there for myself, however I need. Like it's so automatic. And so I think people think of it as like, oh, it's this big investment in energy and like so much undertaking. But the truth is like it, in the beginning, it is a learning. But once you've got it down, it becomes really organic. And so, you know, I've actually created a 12-week group coaching program to teach people exactly how to reparent themselves, to parent with more intention, and to lead with their values in everything that they're doing. Because I have just, like, I've seen there's just so much piecemealing that people are doing. They're looking for the script, they're following them, but it's falling short. Or they're working on themselves, but they don't know how to respectfully parent or, you know, how to have gentle parenting in their home. You know, and so it's it's so much about both and the combination. And I really haven't seen many places where the combination is just handed to you in a step- by step format. I think it's exhausting. We're parents. We don't have the time to look and piecemeal. And so I felt really passionate about putting something together where it's all in one place in twelve weeks' time, where you learn it and integrate it into your life and practice it. And have me holding your hand while doing it so that you can troubleshoot and learn. And then once it's there, once you know, it becomes so organic that it's not work like it is in the beginning. So it's kind of like a hard workout, right? Like in the beginning, like you're building your muscles and they're sore. But once you've been doing it, they're not sore anymore. They're just growing. They're just getting stronger and stronger and more capable. And it's the same thing with reparenting. So I wanna kind of also bust that myth of like, oh, it's so much work. I honor that it is work, it is a time commitment, it is effort and emotional commitment to making yourself matter. But it's like, what's the cost of not doing that? What's the cost of not investing in yourself emotionally and financially to like really be the parent you wanna be for your kids, you know, six months from now, a year from now, et cetera. that is so much more painful and so much more redoing and unraveling and healing than, you know, diving in, putting in the effort for yourself now and then it becoming an automatic way that you think about the world in your life and parenting and in general.
2: I totally agree. And like my, even my anecdote that I just gave was an example of that. Like I have, you're absolutely right. In the beginning it was hard. It felt awkward and I didn't know the moves. It kind of felt like I was using flashcards, like it was very, um, it was a lot of work up front. And now that it has been that I've built those kind of mind muscles um that you just talked about, it is not as hard. And like today, just bring it back to my example of going for a walk, like the the thoughts of like pushing back and challenging that came up and they easily, I was easily able to let them go and say, I'm just gonna choose it anyways. Like and yeah, just because it then,
1: aligned with your values yeah. and
2: of our, and, and the, the, like my mind is primed and ready to, to go that like the neural pathways are there. So yeah. I wanted to, um, validate what you just yeah. said. Cause it's true. Thank
1: you. It is true. And it's, you know, that is exactly what it is. It's like, when we start to learn a new way of thinking, I always describe like working on yourself or healing, both with C B T, EMDR, all the different ways I do therapy, and then within coaching, we're doing more mindset work around it and education around it. But all of it, I think of it as like ants on a hill, like or ants underground, excuse me. How like underground, like if all the ants are going in the same path, it's really easy for them to keep going down that tunnel that they built. But then let's say there's a stop sign, which is like your brain being like, oh it's Do I really have the time to go on a walk? Like I have so much to do, I've, you know, whatever, whatever that stop sign is. And if you stop and you're like, okay, I'm going to think about this differently. And then one ant, two ants, three ants turn and go in a different direction. And then all the other ants lead and follow that, those leaders, right? It becomes the new neural pathway for your brain to think. And like you said, it's become even automatic for you to challenge your thoughts and to reframe your thoughts and to align with your values and your intention, right? And so it's that same thing. We're building these muscles so that our brain starts to really be trained to think in a different way. And so even when that stop sign comes up and those resist the resistance comes up and the, you know, all of the agita, if you will, of like, I don't want to do this, we start to really naturally Question it and then redirect. Question it, redirect. What's the mom I wanna be? What's the parent I wanna be? What are my values with my kids? How do I want them to feel? All of that comes into play. And my gut is pulling me to point one other big thing out about parenting your kids. So many parents view their kids as like little them or like you know kids that are gonna get the opportunities they never got, for example, or representations of them. And that also, like, while I know we mean well with that, it also is placing so much energy, expectation and meaning on our kids that may or may not be true for them. And so it's really also powerful to view our children as separate individual people, especially like even when we have different kids, like we can't accept one sibling to have the same exact emotional needs regulation all of that as the other you know like my older son needs soothing love holding when he's angry and validating my younger son needs to stomp and and he's younger so he's still in the, like he needs to clench his fists and go i'm mad and it's working for him because that's what he needs where my older son has done that phase and is like, I need love, mommy. I need love, right? So he's already in that different phase. So it's like, we want to recognize that our kids, even if we have multiple, they're different from each other. They're different from us. They are their own people. And we don't want to place these lenses of expectation on them.
2: Yeah. And I think that even goes back to our whole point. That's another reason why gentle parenting is hard, because it, our brains, I think, are kind of wired to, to be more like ecocentric and view our kids as an extension of us or even then group kids together or like buckets of, of topics together because our brains want to conserve energy and calories so that we can survive. Um, so that, that just in and of itself makes it hard. But then, but we also, we can do hard things to quote Glennon Doyle. <laughs> and yes, then also, can. and, and, you know, like, It's something that, like you said, I love the ant analogy, by the way, Um, we can also build these new neural pathways and and make it easier to to remind ourselves, oh, yeah, they're different. Like, okay, that's
1: fine. That's okay, too. And our brains naturally want to categorize things. That's how our brain survives. That's our automatic machinery of our brain. Exactly. Right. And so naturally, it's going to be, well, this worked with this kid. Why isn't it working with my other child? Yeah. But they're different, right? And they're not—they're not us. They're their own people, and so you know, like we have to teach our brain new pathways of not categorizing yeah. or giving too much meaning when yeah. it's not really there.
2: Right, exactly. Or just at least questioning it, like just starting there yeah. of like, maybe, maybe yeah. yes, maybe no. Just and you know.
1: honestly, too, like there are like the kids that trigger you more than the yep. other ones. Yep, and that is also really for you. That's a catalyst for your change. That's about you growing. Right. So it's like, well, what are they triggering? For example, Mm -hmm. it might be like, you know, I don't feel respected. I don't feel heard. Why do I have to say the same thing over and over? Right. And so that's triggering in you other times in your life where you felt unheard, where you felt like your voice was silenced, where you felt disrespected. So that's how you kind of tune in to what do I need to work on with inner child healing and reparenting It's like, well, what is the feeling underneath it? Why am I yelling right now? Or why am I shutting down? Or why am I giving in? What is underneath that? Like the given, I hear that a lot too. Like, well, you know what? I'm just going to turn on the TV. They're begging for it. And I'm just going to like let the TV babysit them for the day because I'm tapped out. Yeah. What's underneath that? I'm overwhelmed and there's no space for me. My needs aren't being met. And then it becomes, how do I explore how to help meet my own needs so that I'm not tapped out? Exactly. So we look for what's under it. What's under the initial reaction so that we can start responding instead of reacting.
2: Yep. I love that. And that's also an opportunity to hold space for both things of, I am turning the TV on right now. That is the choice I'm making. And I'm being reminded dang it all, to look at what's behind that, like yeah. both hand.
1: Yes. So. And it's not wrong. It's not yeah. wrong. It's good enough parenting. If that's all you can handle in the moment, yeah. fine. Exactly. But the question underneath it is, how do I learn from this lesson instead of just continually repeat the same thing over and right. over that isn't feeling like it's working? Exactly. So none of this is to shame or make anybody wrong. It's yeah. just data. Right? Yep. That's if exactly. you start to like get neutral and objective about our experiences, it's like, what can I learn from this? Like, okay, I turn the TV on for now. And there's nothing wrong with TV here and there, too. Yeah. But it's more like if it's just an exhaustion level of like, I can't do this anymore, what am I learning from this? What needs exactly. to shift? And maybe in a lot of times, parents struggle with asking their partner for help, they yeah. struggle with asking anybody for help and so that's also a deeply rooted thing of like well where in your life did you first learn that you're not allowed to ask for help or no one's going to help you if you ask yeah and then you nurture that part you reparent that part that's what it's all about
2: i love this um just thank you thank you for all the work that you do thank, thank you for coming you. on the show again and um, I'm very excited that you're launching this this group coaching program. Um, I think it's going to make a big difference in the world. And if anybody is interested in following you, finding out more about the group coaching, actually joining the program, where can they do so?
1: So they can find me on my Instagram and Facebook handles are the same. Reparenting and Parenting Coach. I also have a free Facebook group. That's called reparenting and parenting coaching, or you can find me on my website and message me directly through any of those platforms. My website is reparentingandparenting.com. So lots of places to connect with me. Um, but honestly the Facebook group, it's where it, where it's all at, because I go live in there. I share a lot of information for free on there because I really want to give, I really want to help people get started um and you know the group honestly the facebook group itself is just like a place to really grow and learn and then the group coaching program specifically is like when you're ready to dive deep and you're ready to say like i want to reparent myself so that i can parent more intentionally build deeper connection with my kids and like feel confident and proud of the mom and the person that i am that's when it's time to like message me and say, Hey, I'm ready. It's time. Let's do this. You know, and and I'm here for all of it. Like I want to give the resources up front, but I also, when you're ready to go deeper, let's go deeper and, you know, create those neural pathways so that you can feel power, proud, confident. And, and the thing that a lot of my clients tell me in all areas is like they finally feel like after our work together, like they can handle anything that comes their way. And that's the truth, because it's like once you know how to support yourself through whatever it is, once you know how to parent with intention and support your kids through whatever it is, you truly can handle whatever comes up. It's just about learning, strengthening that muscle first, and then practicing it. Yeah,
2: that makes so much sense. And just thank you again um and yeah. i'm going to link to all of the things that you mentioned in the show notes of this episode so if anybody is listening they can't write this down right now just go to the show notes when you get a chance and you can grab all those links
1: perfect thank you so much for having me such an honor to be back here again
2: yeah thanks so much for coming back
0: thank you so much for listening to the show today if you liked the episode and would like to hear more please follow Finding Your Village wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to sign up for the postpartum class at PregnancyToPreschool.net. Thank you so much and stay safe, healthy, and connected.